There's a reason that we uh, choose songs. Sometimes we um, are purposeful of, of choosing songs that go along with the message, and sometimes God is purposeful to us, uh, wanting to release something within the, in the, the context of worship that will stir us. And when we were singing that song this morning, I want more of you, I believe that's a prayer that God is wanting to put in all of our hearts and in in our mouths this morning. God, I want more of you. You know, and sometimes, depending on our experience with God, that can be a prayer of excitement or a prayer of trepidation. (laughs) Uh, What does it look like to have more of God? You know, and um, I think that whatever it looks like, it's good. More of God equals good. More of God equals all that is good, because God is good. There's going to be a theme this morning. We're going to talk about healing. But before I even journey into the place of physical healing, we've got to know that God is good before we tackle the topic of healing. Because the healing topic is a deep and complicated topic. But God never changes. He's always good. He always has our best in mind. He's always for us and not against us. He can be trusted. He never leaves us forsaken. He never leaves us begging for the things that we need, but He not only provides what we need, but He abundantly blesses us above and beyond what we could ever imagine or ask for. Amen? So God is good. So the other thing is is that we have to come into the place of God on this morning trusting the mystery of God. It doesn't line out A plus B equals C. Healing, the healing topic is not A plus B equals C. Because if it was, we wouldn't need God. Let that sit with you for a second. This is not a formula that we're talking about. We're talking about placing our faith in God and trusting Him. So would you pray for me? Pray with me. Yeah, pray for me. Actually, it's probably better. Pray for me, but pray with me as we jump in this topic. Father, we are so aware that we need more of you. Lord, even as I was sitting in the place of worship this morning, being led by this team, Lord, I was aware again, I am bankrupt without you. But in you, I have the abundance of life. And I want to live from that reality because you are in me. You are in us. Everything, your divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness. That's your promise. So Lord, let us tap into the reality of your great goodness, your great power that resides in those of us who believe in Jesus. Lord, would you reveal your goodness today? Would you reveal your hope? Would you reveal your promise in Jesus' name? Amen. Let me see a show of hands this morning. Um, How many in the room know somebody who needs to be healed? All right, so I guess this is a pretty important topic. It's a pretty important topic that at any point in our life, we probably either need healing or we know at least one and probably a hundred people who need to be healed. And so we need to know how God feels about this, what His Word is in regards to healing. How many of you have seen somebody healed? Raise your hand. Look around the room. 
I would say, I don't know, 75% of the rooms got their hands raised. So people that have raised their hand have either prayed for or acknowledged or seen that prayers prayed over a person by faith in Jesus have healed somebody. It's important for us to, to see. How many, of, how many of you in the room have prayed for somebody and they haven't been healed or that you haven't seen them healed? Look around the room. About the same amount of hands. It's a complicated topic, isn't it? And if we don't deal with it, if we don't deal with the topic in our own heart before the Lord and in Scripture or with one another from a place of humility, then I think that, one, we miss the heart of God. Because I think topics like this, one of the primary reasons um, that God allows uh, us to uh, allow, allows us to journey in this place of the tension of the of the answer and the not answer is because he wants us to, to depend on him. And he wants us to trust him. The other reason, the other issue, if we don't deal with this with humility, is that we lose compassion for those who are sick. What do I mean by that? If every person we lay our hands on gets well, if that were the reality in this world right now, then we wouldn't have to be talking about it. But the reason that we need to talk about it is because people are not getting well all the time, and we need to know how to deal with one another, and we need to know how to approach God and what our heart position should be. So I am fully aware that in this large of a crowd, I've got probably at least 10 groups of people on this topic. And so as the pastor standing in the pulpit, I have to approach this with humility, don't I? So I do ask that you pray with me, and I ask that you pray for one another, and that we journey in this place uh, sensitive to what the Lord God is doing. Let me say this again, though, or maybe I haven't said this. My prayer would be that we would all leave today with more hope in God than when we came in, more faith that God is a healing God, and more trust that he is good, that he is good to us. Okay. We're going to take this journey by looking at Mark. We've been in Mark, so let's look at Mark 5. And we are going to look at three different stories really quickly. And my guess is, just looking at my notes and what I want to see happen at the end of this service, that we're going to have a part one and a part two on this topic. Okay? Because I'm not going to rush through this. But Mark 5 has three stories I want to look at. I could have chosen multiple chapters in Mark to deal with this topic because there's healing throughout Mark's story. Jesus is a healing Messiah, a healing God. You can't, I don't think there's any chapter in Mark that doesn't have some story of healing. But I chose five because there's, chapter five, because there's three different perspectives in these healings that I want you to see. I'm calling it the different faces of healing, okay? So the first one, the first uh, aspect of healing is that God is initiating healing with you. We are not begging for healing. God wants to heal. Amen? Okay, so let's look at this. This is, this is a healing of a demon-possessed man. So verses 1 through 20, I'm not going to read the whole um, section for the sake of time. But Jesus and his disciples have been met by a man in a cemetery who was possessed by the devil. This man lived as an outcast from society among the caves, among the graves, stronger than shackles and intimidating, but also tormented. He was a freak. 
He was a freak to the people that were around. They didn't know what to do with him. He was so outside the context of normal society that they cast him out. They put him outside of the, of the city, or maybe he was even living outside of the city in shame. We don't know, but he was outside of community. And he was possessed by demons. I would say in our modern times, sometimes people that are possessed by demons that have this, this condition, sometimes we call them having a mental condition. And sometimes it is mental, but I think we have more demonic possession in our communities than we realize. People that are tormented with the demonic, and we don't know what to do with them. So we shun them at best, walk by them, hope they don't talk to us, or we forget about them. But they're all around us. Jesus didn't forget about this man, and it says... Well, it says about this man, verse 5, day and night, this is how how Mark describes it, day and night he wandered among the burial caves and in the hills howling and cutting himself with sharp sharp stones. When the demons and the man saw Jesus, they ran to Jesus, bowed down before him and asked for his mercy. They, They knew he was the son of God and they knew that he could do something to them. And so the demons of another world and dimension connected with the living God in Jesus and said, have mercy on us. He complied and he sent the demons into a herd of pigs and they jumped off a cliff and drowned. And then this is what happens in verse 14. The herdsmen fled to the nearby town in the surrounding countryside, spreading the news as they ran. People rushed out to see what had happened and a crowd soon gathered around Jesus. Even today, When there is a supernatural healing, people want to know about it. It might be intrigue. It might be thankfulness. It might be religious people lining up to communicate how that couldn't have been God or that's not a healing. But even today, when something seems to be supernatural or that is supernatural happens, just like in this day, crowds come. There's always an interest in the healing of God. People are intrigued. Why? Because in, in, in our deepest part, we want to see the miraculous. We want to believe that there's something out there bigger than us. I think that's why we're so intrigued by aliens and other planets. Because we want to believe that there's something bigger or beyond our understanding. Or that makes sense out of things that we don't understand or that we experience in our life. They saw a demon. They saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons. He was sitting there fully clothed and perfectly sane, and they were all afraid. It's the one time in his life that they didn't need to be afraid of him. He wouldn't have demons in him anymore. But he was so not like what he was supposed to be. He didn't fit in the box that they that was that's the freak man in the cemetery. And now all of a sudden, he's a normal human being, and they're afraid. What are they afraid of? Are they afraid that he's going to do something to them now? No, they're afraid of what in the world just happened. They're afraid of God. This blows their paradigm. They saw an instantaneous healing in deliverance. Verse 16, Then those who had seen what had happened told the others about the demon-possessed man and the pigs. 
And the crowd began pleading with Jesus to go away and leave them alone. Now, let me tell you something. I have seen people delivered. Just go ahead and say, I have seen it. It's freaky. It's weird. I can understand why they were scared. It is not normal. When our human, rational mind and experience comes in contact with something that is not human or rational and not of this world, it blows our circuits. And everything in me, I'll talk about me, the human being who's rational in that setting, who did believe in the healing of God and the deliverance of God, everything in me was trying to figure out if this was fake or not. Ah, this is emotional. What's going on here? Oh, he's manipulating them. Oh, this is... But all I know is that I knew this young man before God ministered to his life. I knew his brokenness. I knew his addiction. I knew his discouragement. I knew his depression. And when, the, when, when prayer was prayed over him and the demons came out, and can I just tell you, I'll tell you what it looked like, just so you know. The power of God fell on him. He fell down. He started squir- squirming all over the place. There was a shriek. His body exhaled, and then he went limp. That's what it looked like. Weird. Scary. And I'm not sure, it w- I'm not sure I wanted to believe it. My skeptical mind was, no, that's not, uh, I'm going to talk to him after this. I don't know if he should have done it like that. <laughs> Send this to the papers. I might get a reporter. I don't know. But what I know afterwards was he was a different man. Everything that was marked by what the demons were doing to him in this situation, he was sane. He was free from depression. He had faith. And his immediate response after that encounter is he jumped up with joy and he started shouting and he started running around because he was so free. He is now a counselor. He has been walking in freedom from from that possession for 25 years, and he is now counseling people to be set free. And I'm sure he's doing it both as as a, a trained counselor and also as a man who can deliver if need be. He is a discerner of those things, but he's walking in freedom as a child of God. Jesus brings freedom. It doesn't mean that it's not going to produce fear or uh, uh, questions, or it's not going to at times be um, um, amazing in a different sense, but the fruit of Jesus' touch on people's lives when he produces healing is deliverance and freedom. This was a changed man. No doubt he had been delivered. 19, Jesus said, Now go, no, go home to your family and tell them everything the Lord has done for you and how merciful he has been. The purpose of healing. I'm going to say this hopefully a couple of times if I remember. The purpose of healing is to glorify God. The purpose of any work of God is to glorify God. He is wanting people to know that He's alive, that He cares, and that He loves them. The purpose of this story, of this interaction, was so that God would be glorified among those who didn't know Him. 
and that he's merciful. So the man, verse 20, started off to visit the ten towns of that region. He began to proclaim the great things Jesus had done for him, and everyone was amazed at what they told him. Everyone was amazed. Jesus had done something impossible, and he was set free, and he started to tell others about what had happened. When we tell others about what God is, why is this important? Jesus does this a lot in his ministry. Now go and tell people. Sometimes he tells them not to because he's not ready to be revealed. But often, other times he says, tell people about what I've done. What happens when we tell others about what he has done? It confirms that work has been done. We're giving testimony to the reality of maybe even what we wonder has happened in our life. So he is confirming the faith of this delivered man. And when we tell others about what God has done, we are worshiping God with thankfulness. I can tell you, I have seen people saved, set free, and healed who have not been thankful. And they have wandered right back into the stuff that they got delivered from. Because they... For some reason, whatever the reason, they put more of the emphasis on what they had done, how they had gotten themselves right, what they had experienced on their own, and they didn't give God glory, and they lost touch with the one who had set them free. Telling others about what God has done in our life establishes the testimony of God's work in our life, but it also is the, is the fruit of worship, the fruit of thankfulness. Jesus initiated, and he is initiating healing in our lives. Sometimes whether we want to or not, want it or not, and sometimes even when we don't know that we can have it, he does it. There was a, a, a few years ago, there was a day school team that had gone to India, and they'd met a woman who had shared with them that she had had cancer and that she had been healed. She had had throat cancer. She told the story of going to doctors, and the doctors couldn't heal her. And then she went to Hindu temples, and she didn't find healing there. And then a Hindu woman at one of the temples came up to her and said, I've heard that Jesus can heal you. So she went to the first church she could find, the church around the corner, and it just so happened that they believed that Jesus healed. They prayed for her, and she got healed, and she started... She, 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 um, uh, they prayed over, she got completely healed, and now she is saved, and she is a church planter. Jesus put the word in a Hindu woman to get her to go to the church around the corner so that she could get healed, and I believe he did it. He could have just healed her instantaneously, but I always think that God uses humans because he wants us to be a part of the journey. God could just heal all of us without a prayer. That's his, his, that's his prerogative, and that's his power, but he likes us to get in on it. He likes it to be a part of our lives. Why? Because it strengthens our testimony of who God is, and it creates worship in us that God is good. All right. Number two, another face of healing. Verses 21 and 24, and then it's, there's, a, there's an interlude, another story that we'll come back to at the end, and then it goes to verses 34, 35 through 42. This is the, this is the, the healing of Jairus' daughter. And I would say that this face of healing is the faith of a friend or a family member. People get healed sometimes because God just initiates it. But sometimes people get healed because there are people who have faith for you to be healed. We've already seen this story with the paralytic last week, remember? 
the friends lowered him down on a mat into the, in, in front of Jesus. But let's look at this one. Verse 24, Jesus got into the boat again and went back to other, the other side of the lake where a large crowd gathered around him on the shore. Then a leader of the local synagogue, whose name was Jairus, arrived. And when he saw Jesus, watch what happened, he fell at his feet. He pleaded fervently with him, my little daughter is dying. Please come and lay your hands on her. Heal her so she can live. This father believed Jesus could heal his daughter. He not only believed that Jesus could heal his daughter, but he got in the way of Jesus. He got at his feet where he couldn't walk forward, and he said, Jesus, before you take another step, basically with his positioning before the the Lord, I want you to see me, and I want you to see me because I have faith for my daughter. It's not just a pleading that's filled with unbelief. That doesn't produce healing. Sometimes it does just because, again, God can do whatever he wants to do. But in this case, Jairus had faith. He believed Jesus could lay a hand on his daughter and be healed. Fervent appeal and faith for, for, for people who are sick oftentimes opens up the door for healing. I have a great story in our own life. For those of you who haven't been around, weren't around at the beginning of our church plant, but uh, we planted this church seven years ago, or a little over seven years ago, and we decided we're going to plant a church. And then a few days after we were about to start the church, we found this building, and so we decided to buy a building. And then my wife and I said, well, hey, let's just make it a trifecta. Let's get pregnant and have another child. Because we just want to be living a crazy life. Let's just go for it. No, that's not how it worked. We just got pregnant. And we had uh, little Isaac in the womb, and when we found out, er, found, found out early on in Isaac's journey that he only had one kidney, which is not life-threatening, but you kind of want your kids to have both kidneys for their life. You know, it's not really what a parent wants for their kids either. And so as we got closer to the end of, uh, of the pregnancy, and Laura was also in her 40s, so they were doing more ultrasounds, so we were getting more and more updates about his one kidney and uh, than normal. And as we got, was it about a month out, wasn't it? A few weeks before he was born, we went in to have another ultrasound. Well, actually, what was interesting, we had two ultrasounds. We had an ultrasound that showed that he had one kidney, and then we had another expert, another doctor who was looking at it from a diff- for a different reason. And that second doctor, not at, but a couple of days after the, the other ultrasound, while we're in there, and Samuel was in the room at that time, and Samuel was how old? How old were you? Six, six and a half. So it's Samuel, Laura, and I, and the technician looks at it, and she goes, oh. What, how did she say that? She says, wow. We said, what's wow? She says, wow. Hmm. Oh, wow. Wow. Well, what's wow? Well, that's magic. There's another kidney here. And my son Samuel immediately, when she said that, said, he's six and a half, so think Isaac. He said, there's no such thing as magic. That's a miracle. (laughs) I was like, yeah, come on. But the backstory to that is, is that the Sunday before those two, there had been lots of people praying, but I think there was something significant about this one moment. In the, the, we were meeting in the theater uh, we weren't in the building yet, so we were meeting in the theater uh, on Pine Street to have church, and we would have the lobby open with popcorn. I'm just kidding. Lobby open for church, although there was popcorn at times. 
And then one theater was open for the kids' ministry, and then one theater is where we did church. And in the kids' theater that morning before the ultrasound, one of our Sunday school, two of our Sunday school workers gathered up the children, and they prayed fervently for healing for baby Isaac. So that when the story was shared the next week, as along with Samuel, it was like, yeah, God answered our prayer. Why did he do that? Because he wants to confirm the testimony of his goodness in his people, and he wants to elicit worship and praise that God is good, and he heals. Ah. Let's pick up the story in verse 35. And while he was still speaking to her, messengers arrived from the home of Jairus, the leader of the synagogue, and they told him, your daughter is dead. There's no use troubling the teacher now. But, the Je- but Jesus overheard them and said to Jairus, look, look here, don't be afraid. Just have faith. In some senses, I think he probably said, don't look around, just look at me. You and me. Just look at me. I'm the healer. But you got to have faith. you got to believe that I'm good. You've got to believe that I want to heal your daughter. Have faith in me. Put your trust in me. Hey, listen. It's the only way to live. It's the only way to live is to put our hands and our trust in the living God. Even when things don't turn out the way that we want them to turn out or we think they should turn out, if our hope and our trust is that he is good, then there's always a good answer. There's always a good answer. Even in the hardest circumstances, and sometimes it takes us a little time to figure out what the good answer is. But if we approach Jesus as he is, because the scripture says, and I can, pro- I can promise you in my own life, I have, I have seen him as this. He is good. He is always good. He is always good. He is, there's no darkness within God. There's no shadow or hiding. There's no deception. There's no deceit. He is pure and holy and good. And if I approach God with his goodness and I place my faith in that God, we create an environment in our own lives, in the lives around us, of expectation that God wants to do good things. God wants to do good things and he wants to bring his healing to this world. God cares about our emotions. He cares about our fears. He said, don't be afraid, Jairus. Have faith. Have faith. And the question is, have faith in what? And I've said this a couple of times. I just want to make sure you hear it. Our faith is not in the miracle. Our faith is not in the healing of our daughter or our brother or our father or our neighbor. Our faith is not in contingent on whether or not that healing happens. Our faith is placed in the goodness of God. When we go there, we can get back in line again and ask him again and again and again. And we can ask him for understanding and we can ask him for comfort and we can ask him for encouragement and we can ask him for perseverance and we can ask him believing that he is good. Then Jesus stopped the crowd, st- stopped the crowd, and wouldn't let anyone go with him except Peter. Verse thirty-seven: James and John, the brother of James. And when they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw much commotion and weeping and wailing. And he went inside and asked, "Why all this commotion and weeping? The child isn't dead; 
He's only asleep. And the crowd laughed at him. Anybody ever been on the street? I have. Seen somebody with a crutch? I have. And said, I think God wants to heal that person. I need to pray for them. Don't know the person. Don't know the crowd. But I have faith to pray for the person. Obviously, I don't just go right up and pray for them. And I ask, hey, could I pray for you in the name of Jesus? I believe that he's a healing God. There's been many times when I've done something like that where there's been a few hecklers in the crowd. What are you doing? Why would you do that? And my answer internally or externally, depending on the situation, is I believe in Jesus. And I believe he's a healer. And I believe he wants to set people free. Have they always been healed on the spot? No. Have some been healed? Yes. But I'm going to keep on praying. I'm going to keep on believing for the miraculous. Because if we don't believe for the miraculous, we don't see the miraculous most of the time. But if we do believe that God has good gifts for his children in this world, then we keep asking. So I'm going to keep on asking, even if it comes with laughter, even if it comes with disbelief or unbelief, excuse me. But he made them all leave and took the girl's father and mother and three disciples into the room where the girl was lying. Holding her hands, he said to her, Talitha kum, which means little girl, get up. And the girl who was 12 years old immediately stood up and walked around and they were overwhelmed and totally amazed and gave God the glory. Jim Yost, the missionary from Papua New Guinea who spoke at World Mandate this year, speaks of the way in which God allowed them to break through in ministry in Papua New Guinea for the first time. They moved over there as a young couple among a tribe, um, a, a primitive tribe. They got, to know the, they got to know the tribe, but they didn't have access or entry into their community because they were foreigners from, out, from the outside, and then one of their kids died. And they had the opportunity to pray for this child to come alive. And this child was raised from the dead. In that testimony of God's healing in this child's life is what opened up that whole area of Papua New Guinea to the gospel. Because they were amazed at the healing that Jesus provided. Last story, faith of the sick woman. Verses 25 through 34. A woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding. She had suffered a great deal from many doctors. Anybody suffered a great deal from many doctors? Boy, I could relate to this story more and more as I get older. Got a doctor's appointment this week. And I've suffered a great deal. Over the years, she had spent everything she had to pay them. Anybody ever, I mean, just just the hands keep raising. But she had gotten no better. Okay. Wow, this is really relevant to me, I'm feeling. In fact, she had gotten worse. Most of our sicknesses in this world are healed by medicine and doctors. That's why we keep going to them. I'm thankful for ibuprofen. It takes care of a lot of my problems. <laughs> thankful that I don't have to pray for everything that happens in my life. There are things that have just gotten, we've gotten knowledge on that we can bring healing physically through doctors and medicine. If you're sick and a doctor can heal you or medicine can heal you, please allow that to happen. That's the provision of God, right? 
But there are times, and so, and I can even tell, I mean, I'll tell you a story. They had a, a dear friend of mine who had suffered a back problem, and for a couple of months, he was in misery. Couldn't figure out what was going on. And then finally, he went to a doctor and realized that surgery would take care of it. And after surgery, he, he got better. Thank you, Jesus. It was a trial, and healing came to him through surgery. And sometimes healing comes through surgery and prayer. And sometimes it comes through just prayer, like we heard about the Hindu woman. But no, whatever the case is, in this story, doctors had not helped. And the only option that this woman had was Jesus' healing. Have you ever been there? Many of us have been there with people that we love. She heard about Jesus, verse 27, so she came up behind him through the crowd and touched his robe, for she thought to herself, if I can just touch his robe, I'll be healed. Immediately the bleeding stopped. She could feel in her body that she had been healed of, his of her terrible condition. Jesus realized at once that healing power had gone out from him, so he turned around the crowd and asked, who touched my robe? She's probably thinking, is this going to be judgment or mercy? His disciples said to him, look at the crowd pressing around you. How can you ask who touched me? But he kept on looking around to see who had done it. Then the frightened woman, trembling at the realization of what had happened to her, came and fell to her knees in front of him and told him what she had done. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Your suffering is over. Many reach out to Jesus for healing. Some reach out to him by faith. Faith is an activator of healing. Multiple times Jesus says, have faith. And faith allows for healing. Sometimes faith does not produce healing. So may I say this, if you have not been healed, or if someone you love has not been healed because you prayed for them, it does not necessarily mean that you or they did not have faith. That's actually, I think, an excess teaching that is so destructive in the body of Christ. Well, if you just would have had more faith. It's a misplaced um, teaching, meaning God does ask us to have faith and put our faith in Him. But faith, A, faith, doesn't equal B, equal B healing all the time. So we need to let people off the hook from our judgments if we come from that perspective. Well, if they would have just had more faith. But sometimes, and oftentimes, our faith opens the door for healing. And that's where we want to land. Can I have the band come on up? Jan. There's a part two next week. Come back. We're going to deal with some of, some of our concerns or objections. But this week we want to just pray that God would open up our hearts to faith and healing. So how do we respond? This would be what I would say. Always believe. Always believe. I didn't share one story, but there's a story of a woman who had a need and she got before the judge. This is a parable that Jesus told. And the judge said no, and she kept on getting in line until the judge gave her her request, and the judge's response was, oh, she's driving me crazy with her request. I just want to give her what she wants. And Jesus is, equates that to 
How many people, and then he goes on and says, is there faith in this world? Is there this kind of faith to believe that if you keep on asking, that you are knocking on the door, that at some point that door is going to be open? Until it doesn't open is the indication that Jesus gives. Keep asking. Because you never know what God is up to. So, Lord, put, a, put in us a, a trust and a belief that it's worth to continue to ask. Seek God for his answers. God, what are you doing now? What are you wanting to do later? What are you, what are you, what are you wanting to do? Let's listen and obey. He might tell you how to pray for somebody. He might tell you how to posture yourself to receive prayer. This is a relationship, and God is wanting to work with you and wanting to do more than just heal your body. He's, remember, He's healing your soul. He's healing your spirit. He's healing your whole person. And oftentimes, He's doing way more than just healing your sickness. Seek out people with faith for healing that will encourage you because it creates uh, within your life an expectancy for faith. And above all things, trust God and be faithful. I love Philippians 4, 6, and 7, which says, Do not be anxious about anything, but by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, make your request known to God. Thanksgiving is on the front end of receiving the answer. It's not on the back end. God, I thank you that you're a healer. I thank you that you're good. I thank you that you love me. I thank you. Now, God, would you do what you, you can only do? With prayers and petition, with thanksgiving, make your request known to God, and the peace that surpasses all understanding will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. Stand up with me. So if you have need for healing, and you're saying, I want, I want prayer this morning, I believe that Jesus is the healer, and I'd like to stand in that place Maybe for the first time or that place again and say, God, would you bring healing to my life? If that is you, I'd love for you to come forward. We want to pray for you. So if you, need, if you want prayer this morning for healing, once you come forward and stand, stand here at the front of the building. Wow, we've got an amazing, healthy church. Fantastic. It's already happened. Everybody's healed. on down. First of all, for people who are wanting healing, come just stand down here. And I might just, I'm going to step out and finish.